0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. First and foremost, our team needed rest. We gave the guy a couple days off. Last night, we had our legs. Didn't mind, you know, watch the tape. I didn't mind a lot of our game last night, to be honest. You know, in the offensive zone, were we out of sync a little bit? We were. Did we leave a few plays out there? There was no question. So we tried to tidy a few of those things up. If there's any holes in the boat, you know, you plug one, another one opens up. I, I don't think. We're at that stage at all. I think the pace of our game has slowed, and I think that's what happens when you don't practice. If you're just playing games at a rapid pace, your game pace slows, and that's what practice can do when you get it. Is you can pick up your pace, and that's what we hope to do uh, with today's practice.
1: That's what we hope to do. Let's see if it pays off. Tonight, Lightning, another crack at the Columbus Blue Jackets at Amelie Arena, a game you can hear on Lightning Power Play. The festivities will start for us at 6 o'clock with Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee Chelios will be our guest coming up in about a half hour, Lightning reporter and broadcaster, and we'll talk to her about the Lightning and some other things as well. I'll have the pregame at 6.30, and then, of course, Dave Mishkin will be right there with you calling the game. And who do we have with you, Dave, tonight? Collins Phil game. Phil will be there.
0: Phil and Chief are, are golfing this weekend, though, oh, I guess. My yeah, and it's not like they're just going ac- across their subdivision or their house wherever they live to the local Phil's golf Phil's backyard. Course. I think right. that their wives arranged a uh, a weekend away. A weekend so away. So I think we have, what, Cully on Saturday and Brian Engblom on Sunday. That correct. is correct. Because that's an NBC game, right?
1: Correct. And it's right. Yep. It's going to be a busy weekend for all of us. Those early games, and you'll be having the call with them. And of course, uh, as I said before, tonight at seven, Dave and the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. Full disclosure, Dave. You know, we put in a lot of time to prepare for these shows, and I'd tell you what, I have notes and notes of things that I want to talk about. And you know, we were really before the show hammering out the hard issues when it came to the <laughs> yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning, and we started by discussing proper ways to edge yes. around your lawn <laughs> and that that excited me a great deal. I know. Well, <laughs> you may be uh,
0: so more full disclosure, you yes. and your wife have started uh, I won't call it baby young persons clothing, <laughs> children's led, boutique. Yes, it's a yes. Ch- oh, sorry, I I didn't Get it have right, the Dave. terminology on. Right. Children's boutique, yes. boutique and be- yes. beautiful boutique. Beautiful but boutique. I think if you were to branch out on your own, uh-huh. you've talked about Linelli landscaping. Uh, you take great <laughs> pride in taking care of of your yard and, and your landscaping. and and I spend some time like I do my my own grass. i I've always mowed you my do. own grass. Yeah. And part of that is you know it's really not it's not something I can't manage, particularly when the off season was during the summer. <laughs> you know, I had the time. Mm-hmm. I like getting outside. It's a way to get some exercise. and, and I always said to myself, why would I pay someone to do something that I could easily do myself? Agreed. And, I mean, that's just the yeah, way I, I feel about it. Now, if I had yeah. a schedule that that prohibited me or prevented me from getting out once a week or sometimes, as we know, in the summer sure. twice a week to mow, it might be a different metric. But with no travel and, you know, during the pandemic and, and everyone staying at home a little bit more, I think we, we've we done some more stuff in, in our yard. So, yeah, we were talking about we've done some plastic edging. That is, it's really easy to install. You do it with stakes, and it looks really good. It's not for everyone,
1: but we've been happy with it. No doubt. I mean, I kind of take the same approach that you do, and I like getting out there and and sweating, and I don't mind it, and I feel like as long as I can do it, why would I pay somebody to do that? Now, there are uh, obviously other bigger projects you have somebody to pay. Like, we had our house painted, the outside. I mean... Could you do it by yourself? I, I mean, you could, you, you could, but it, it would it would take a long time probably, and I'm not sure how nice it would look. So you know, whatever. There, there's tree things. trimming. There's yeah. a point where it just becomes not doable, well, especially when you're on the ladder and you're yeah. you're there with your your. Tool, and um, it is what it is. But anyways, we were talking about that, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there who've <laughs> spent more time at their you house. You know what, than though? Their, I, I would know?
0: like to believe that a lot of our listeners share the same sentiment, that
1: they hey, do take care of their own yard. Tell me. Tell me. They do us mow the grass. Twitter. Let us know at Bolts Radio. Well, we do have a game tonight. Ryan McDonough, Dave, is hopeful, at least according to John Cooper, to play tonight. We'll see. Eric Chernak, Jan Ruta, still up in the air. Doesn't look like they'll be back. And Mitchell Stevens looks like he's getting closer and closer. So Getting closer. You know, I think those are positives. When we talk about the Lightning and, and the expectations tonight, Braden Point, I thought, kind of hit on it again pretty accurately when he said, Hey, look, we played well. We just, we didn't generate... Enough uncomfortable moments that I'm putting words in his mouth for the goaltender. They got a lot of chances, but not yeah. maybe high quality scoring chances. And I, I think, honestly, not to overanalyze things, that's probably the next step for the Lightning tonight. Let's see if they pay the price, go to the front of the net, Dave, get some bodies in front of whoever the goaltender <laughs> is. We would assume it's Merzalekins. And see if it they is. can. Yeah, so we can go with him and, and see if the Lightning can generate. A few more quality scoring opportunities and take away the goaltender's eyes.
0: I thought there were a couple of interesting points out of that John Cooper press conference. So, when when I have thought about the value of practice, which we've been talking about a lot since you invoked <laughs> yeah. your Allen Iverson. So, yeah, you say, I, I have my caveman voice. You have your Allen Iverson <laughs> impression. Topic for another day. Yes. But... The way we have talked about the value of practice, it's been in this context that if you're having some systemic problems with coverage or dealing with situations in game, sometimes going through those situations in a practice setting can help you tighten things back up. That when you're playing games constantly, some elements of your game may slip and it's hard to get that back just through video it's really beneficial to actually be on the ice and 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 execute the drills in a non-game situation. John Cooper mentioned, now I think John Cooper agrees with that. I mean, certainly coaches can use practice to that end. But Coop mentioned playing with pace. And if anyone has had an opportunity to ever watch a lightning practice, whether it's a practice or even they do it in a morning skate, a lot of times it's... It's players passing the puck and skating up the ice. And it's not really a a drill that's meant to hone on coverage or like five on five in one zone where, where one group of five is on offense, one group of five is on defense. This is just a couple of guys skating up the ice. They pass it a couple of times and they shoot. And you might do a two on one or sometimes it's a two on oh. And you might say, well, what's the value of that? And John Cooper mentioned the value of that. He talked about playing with pace. You just played the clip, or Steve just played the clip. And I don't know that I've ever heard Coop mention this, because I wouldn't have, have thought that playing games regularly without getting practice time in would invariably lead to your pace of play becoming slower. But he feels that it does. So one of the things that he hoped to accomplish with his coaching staff during yesterday's practice was to get their pace of play back up. And some of that is how quickly you were executing particular plays. And and if we dissect what happened on Tuesday for the Lightning, and a lot of their, if we're going to call them problems, the problems in their game stemmed from what they did in the offensive zone and how they were not able to force Mears-Leakins to make enough tough saves. And some of that was Columbus and how the Blue Jackets defended. But some of it was on the Lightning, too. And they had fewer issues in the defensive zone, which was a departure from the two earlier games where they allowed 40-plus shots to Dallas and to Carolina. But I think Coop feels that some of their inability to make Columbus uncomfortable, to use your term, Greg, stem from them not playing at a high enough pace, a fast enough pace. And I can think of two or three instances in the first period alone where the Lightning were zooming into the offensive end and just had a miscue on a play that might have led to a scoring chance. One of them did. Like, they, they executed the play in a two-on-one plot to point. point. took the shot. Merzlikens made the save. But there were other plays where guys were just a little bit off kilter or and maybe Gore some of that down. was hes- hesitancy, right. or or just you know not playing <laughs> yeah. with the same crispness that they are used to playing with. So we'll see if the practice yesterday helped in that regard. And then the other part too is bearing down. And we know Columbus is a really good defensive team. It's been in their DNA. I think on the Columbus side, they have reemphasized after their disaster in Detroit over the weekend. They have reemphasized the kiss. Acronym. Keep it simple, simple, stupid. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And they are just D-ing up. They're D-ing up, and they're saying, this is what we have to do. We're going to wait for our chances offensively. We're not going to sacrifice defense for offense, which we've heard the Lightning talk about. But they are really doubling down on their bread and butter, which is playing well defensively, structurally, protecting the front of the net. So the Lightning are going to have to try and force the issue there and, and get to the front of the net. But I also think that some of what we saw on Tuesday was it wasn't like Columbus wasn't giving the Lightning some time and space. They were. The Lightning just didn't quite execute well enough to, to turn those potential opportunities into actual opportunities. Yep. And, and shots and scoring chances
1: and goals. And maybe getting on the power play helps, you know, with that a little bit more. Again, we talked about that yesterday. It's, it's kind of up in the air whether or not you're going to get... Four or five power play opportunities, or one and two, you know, depending how hard you're working and you know yeah. what the officials call. I was interested reading John Tortorella's comments. I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and it was on NHL.com on Columbus's page, and he was saying how you know last year they felt like they had their defensive structure pretty well in place. They were a difficult team to play with, and then early this year, Dave, they really wanted to open things up a bit more to get their offense going, understanding that they didn't think their defense would be compromised. And it ended up compromising their defense when they tried to open things up. And Tortorella said, look, we have a lot of problems. So we know we can't fix all of them this year and right away. And so they really just tried to simplify things and go back to being hard to play against. I thought that was pretty interesting because... A lot of people think Tortorella is a very structured coach and it's defense first, and I think that would probably be accurate. But I think he also understood that he'd like to see his team open things up offensively. But when it didn't go according to plan, I mean, they're making some adjustments here on the fly, but he is trying to keep it pretty simple where they're not correcting ten things. Maybe they're correcting one and two. And you just mentioned keep it simple stupid. I think that probably applies to Columbus's game as well. And I don't know if it's going to be enough for them to get into the playoffs, Dave. But you get the sense they saw some results from playing that way on Tuesday. And maybe they're starting to, I don't want to say buy-in, but get back to what Tortorella has wanted to do, which is be a really hard team to play against. And, boys, this is just how we're going to have to get into the playoffs. And maybe that's good enough for them to get that messaging and to play well. It was interesting, I thought.
0: Yeah, and sometimes success breeds confidence. And confidence breeds a higher level of execution, too. Because I thought the Blue Jackets, the last 10 minutes of the third period, I thought maybe was their best stretch of of defending. Because I, I, the Lightning were stuck at 35 shots for a while. They got to 35 pretty quickly in the third period. And then it was a while before, what did they finish with, 38. I know Stampko's had the sixth attacker shot that was a pretty good save by Merzlikens it kind of felt in the second half of that third period Columbus was really settling in they had their 2-1 lead they were clearing pucks efficiently the Lightning didn't have as much zone time as they had had earlier in the third period when they came out the gates pretty quickly and applied a fair amount of pressure in the early part of the third period and they got the goal too to, to make it two to one so maybe the Blue Jackets can carry that forward but I will I will ring a cautionary tone here. And it's not to suggest that the Blue Jackets are going to play every game like they did on Tuesday. But if they feel that that is the way that they are going to win games, I think it is difficult to be regularly outshot 38-21 and win games. Yeah. So there has to be a, there has to be a balance there between maybe maybe the way to look at it is we are going to really buckle down defensively and use our defense to create some offensive opportunities. But I don't know, and I don't know what's going to happen tonight. Maybe the Blue Jackets will be playing on their toes a little bit more than what we saw certainly at the beginning of the game on Tuesday. But we talked about this yesterday. Greg Wrensky took a shot that was deflected out of play. Which led to the middle TV timeout in the first period. I believe that was Columbus's first shot attempt attempt in the entire game to that point. Forget about shot on goal, which was that crazy McLaney sequence where he had to play the short hop on the long right. clear down the ice, and then Boone Jenner got a got an in alone opportunity. That was after the warensky attempt was deflected out of play. So and again, we're not we're not here to advocate for the Blue Jackets. I am just saying, like, if they are looking at the game on Tuesday and saying, yep, we solved our we solved a problem here, and this is our formula moving forward," I think it needs to be more than just defending well in front of your goalie because I think the Lightning can do more to to create problems for Columbus. A and B, you do have to score to win. You do have to put the puck in the net. You can't you can't shut out the other team every single game. And they did not generate a lot on Tuesday. So we'll see what happens tonight. I mean, they may have a game tonight where they get 35 shots and and maybe they're they're keeping their solid structure and defending just as well in front of their goalie and and using that to fuel their offensive attack. Maybe they get some swagger back in their game. They were Looking like a team, frankly, at the beginning of the game on Tuesday that had dropped two in a row in Detroit and gotten outplayed in both games. Maybe maybe they'll have a little different swagger to to their game tonight coming off the win against the Lightning on Tuesday. We'll see. But, and again, I'm not saying anything here that John Tortorella doesn't understand as well. And maybe the most important priority for him is let's take care of our D zone first and I think it got better as the game progressed on Tuesday. But I just, I just think getting out shot almost two to one and leaning on your goalie to make all the saves he needs to make and you're helping him out by boxing out, but also asking him to come up with, with a couple of lousers is a lot to do regularly. You can do it maybe once in a while. Sure. But that is not a sustainable formula, in my opinion down the stretch here for Columbus. Well, and
1: especially against a team like Tampa Bay, you're absolutely right, because you've got to think they're going to capitalize if they have two-to-one shot advantage in a game with the players that they have, that that's, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm also curious to see if tonight's game takes on another level of physicality, Dave. You know, between these two teams, sometimes bad blood can boil over. The Blue Jackets, I think, when they're playing pretty well, they're a a big physical team that is chippy, that plays over the line. I think they have some guys that can do that. We really didn't see that Tuesday. And maybe that was a product of how the game played and how it was officiated, or the fact that you know Tampa Bay and Columbus really hadn't seen each other that much up to that point. But now we're going to start to see Columbus a bit more over the next two weeks. And you know what that means. That means you really get a a disdain for the other team because you're playing them, you understand their tendencies, and, you know, let's face it, Tampa Bay should play ticked off tonight. Now, uh, I don't think they need any more motivation to get two points. They're in a pretty good spot, but it's a team that's not used to – they're not used to losing. and and they have urgency if
0: not – because of they their do. standings position, because they've lost three in a row in regulation. Absolutely. They do
1: not like that. No, and I think, you know, there's there's a little something extra. Anytime Columbus comes in, or you're playing them because of, of what happened in the playoffs a couple of years ago, I think that's still fresh. And while you win a Stanley Cup and you feel better about yourself the following year, I think there is a an interesting rivalry between these two teams, and I would expect this game tonight to get a bit chippy. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. As long as it doesn't get to the point where it's cheap, that's where you hope the officials step in and they're able to control the game a bit. But I I think that actually would play well uh, into Tampa Bay Lightning's favor, um, being a little bit more, you know, aggressive. And I think some of that is getting to those high-danger spots but paying the price to score goals, which is typically in front. And when you do that, the other team doesn't like it. And I, I would anticipate... Um, some physical play tonight more so than we thought Tuesday, and I think that does benefit a team uh, like the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we'll see how that plays out. I'm excited to yeah. kind of see how the Lightning uh, respond after Tuesday's uh, loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So if and you, you mentioned, rac- Greg, yeah, at the ahead. start
0: of the show that it looks good for McDonough, but if McDonough comes in for Ruda, the Lightning only have two righties. So who's going to play the right side? Is it Sergachev? Is it Borgman?
1: Uh, it's a good question. My sense would be Sergachev, but Borgman, we had him on the show. I mean, he, he says he can yep. do both. But my I, I wonder if Borgman you know is in that when you take a look at, at where he is right now, do you just want to keep him pretty comfortable and not have him move to the other side? Sergachev's a right. guy that's done that and can. My sense it would be Sergachev, but I don't know. We'll have to, uh, as they say, we'll have to wait and see tonight how that plays out. But getting McDonough back, that's a big deal. You know, we've talked about the last three games and, you know, the Lightning not playing as well and and giving up some goals late in games. Ryan McDonough has been, you know, stalwart back there, especially this year. And it's noticeable. Noticeable when Chernak's out, too. I think we don't give enough credit for how well he's played this year, Dave. I think you can make the case... Out of the most strides being taken in their development this year, um, I'm of the opinion. I, I know you, you started to see a lot of this last year with Chernock. I feel like he's he has taken his game to another level. Why is that? Could be a various, various reasons. Playing with McDonough helps. More experience. He's got a lot of games under his belt. I think offensively you're seeing him jump into the play a bit more this year, and I think that's given him some confidence. But I do think you get a guy like McDonough back, all of a sudden now it, it slots... Everybody else, where they should be, one more spot. you know. Yeah. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind when we're evaluating this team. And if he is able to play tonight, I think McDonough settles things down, you're hoping, a bit more on the back. because I know Chief has talked about it. Team sometimes backs off too, too much. And McDonough sometimes is guilty of that as well. But I think having him back in the lineup may settle things, things down a bit defensively.
0: You may be right uh, about that. Certainly getting him back in. It's big. Is is a First of all, it's good that he wasn't out long term, only 4 games. And I think in the immediate sense he will he will help settle things down and hopefully the Lightning have zero penalty kills again tonight. But if they have to go on the PK, he will be a welcome readdition to the penalty kill unit
1: you would think and it'll be fun to uh, get him back in the lineup hopefully tonight so we'll see how that plays out at Bolt radio we got a couple of questions starting to trickle in we're gonna get to those right now Kaylee Chelios, she'll be joining us in about five10 minutes Dave she's had a busy uh, week or so she's been yeah she went to some, Boston yeah and covered that that women's league the women's league and now we'll get her back now I I, I told her you know since she's left. The Lightning now have lost three in a row. So clearly, <laughs> yes. it's all Kaylee's it's fault. It's all her
0: fault, right?
1: <laughs> so she needs to get back on we, the... We uh, need
0: to let her uh, defend inside. herself Yeah. before we um, start hurling accusations.
1: Dave wants to know, how do you think Borgman has looked since being given an opportunity to play with the injuries?
0: I think he had a really good first couple of games. I think, probably not surprisingly, he has regressed a little bit. And let's not forget that it's not the easiest thing in the world to not play for a long period of time and then, and then come in and, and get right back in the swing of things. He's had, a couple of, he's had a couple of coverage mistakes over these last couple of games that he's been in, and he took a penalty in the third period of that Carolina game that led to the eventual game-winning goal. But I think you have made the point, Greg, accurately, that he needs to play. He needs, to, he needs to be able to, to get some game action under his belt so that if he is called upon later, read playoffs, his game is not as rusty. And we have talked in the same terms about McElhinney. I know McElhinney Correct. had some starts where he probably wasn't happy with it, and I know the fans were very vocal in expressing their opinion about how he had played, but... You know, he hadn't played a game in 11 months before this this year, coming back in with his first game, which was a win in Nashville. But, you know, you need to get reps. And I think he has played well the last couple of times he has been in there. And I think part of that is because he is getting a chance to play somewhat regularly, understanding Vasilevsky plays the vast majority of the games, but regular in what McElhinney is used to, as the backup to Vasilevsky one start every four games or so one start every seven to ten days or so although he may get another start coming up this weekend because it's another back-to-back but I think that that the same would probably be true of Borgman that he needs he needs games he needs on ice reps in
1: game action I would agree with that, and I think this year is unique. Maybe in another year, Dave, where you had a little bit more depth, Borgman gets that costly penalty. In Dallas, maybe he's not playing uh, the next few games because that's just sometimes how things transpire. But I think because of the circumstances, because of where they are in the cap, you're limited in terms of who you have to play. Borgman is somebody that needs to play and get those reps in, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I think you need to continue to throw him out there. The Lightning aren't in jeopardy of missing the playoffs because Andreas Borgman is back there right now. That's just not going to happen. So allow him to play. The more games he plays, that adds to your depth come playoff time if you have to go that route. So let him play as much as he can within reason and figure out what you have because, as you said, Dave, it's not fair for an athlete to sit there for the majority of the year and then be put in. And he screws up a couple of times, and we sit there and say, oh, look, Borgman, he's not very good. Well, what did you expect? What did you expect? you got to play him. The Lightning understand that. Continue to throw him out there within reason. Uh, Before we get to Kaylee, Jim asks, who comes out when Stevens is ready? Do you believe in losing your job to an injury? It's a good question because in sports, we always talk about it being a meritocracy, Dave, the best play. It is unfortunate when a guy is injured, who was playing pretty well, and maybe doesn't regain his spot. To that, I would say it's life. If you're asking me in this particular situation, hypothetical, if Stevens were to come back next week, and let's say Ross Colton continues to play at this level, Dave, I don't know how you can take Ross Colton out of the lineup, but I do understand they want to get Stevens some games, kind of like the Borgman factor here. I mean, you want to get guys game reps as you head into the playoffs, but that being said... Colton is a young player as well, and if he's playing well, I'd say you got to keep him in the lineup.
0: Yeah, I don't don't know. Good question. I have said I I really don't know how they're going to work Stevens in. They may pull Colton out. I mean, we have seen this already this year that through no fault of his own, he has played well, and sometimes he has been out of the lineup. The Colton-Maroon-Joseph line – has been so effective for the Lightning in their last six games that they have played as a line. And it has not been six games in a row because Colton sat out a couple when Volkov came in and then he had to sit one due to the the cap situation. But going going back before, he was not in the lineup. If you count the last six games – that those three players have played as a line. And understanding, too, Joseph at points has been bumped up to other lines. But when those three guys have been a line, they have accounted for six goals in those six games. I'm including the Joseph goal the other night against Columbus because that was a play in which Colton was on the ice and then changed for point. So point was actually on the ice when the goal was scored, but we'll, we'll say it was, it was the Colton – right. Joseph maroon line. So look, you could, I don't know who would come out, but you could cuz you've played Joseph on other lines. You could say, "All right, Joe, we're going to put you on this line and have that quote unquote fourth line with Maroon, Colton and Stevens." And then you have two centers. So depending on where the faceoff is, you could have the righty on one side, the lefty on the other. The Lightning have done that before. But that still doesn't answer the question if you're if you're moving Joseph somewhere else, who comes out? So I don't know. Uh, I think we're we're gonna have to do the old wait and see. Wait. And, uh, and Stevens, see. Uh, he was out there with with some of the optional extra guys. So I don't think tonight is the night that he's coming back. No. But maybe this weekend Soon. we'll get we'll get that yeah. answer sooner rather than. And later. I agree
1: with you. I think they're gonna find a way to get him in. It probably comes at the expense of Colton, assuming he continues to play well. And I think you just have to evaluate it from there. All right, we've got Kaylee online. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll reset. Kaylee Chelios, lightning reporter and broadcaster, will join us. We'll talk about the lightning and so many other things with Kaylee. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Ersing, producing. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch only on Lightning Power
1: Play on the iHeartRadio app. It is Power Lunch. I am Greg Lanelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Michigan, Steve Hurston, producing, joining us right now, lightning broadcaster and reporter. She joins us on the broadcast throughout, also does a show with Brian Burns before the pregame show as the pregame skate show. That would be our good friend, Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee, great to be with you. And, you know, just hit me, it, it is April Fool's today, isn't it, guys? April Fool's.
2: Yeah, I like April Fools. I don't think my husband knows it's April Fools or he hasn't (laughs) recognized it. So I'm just waiting to think of what I can video him lying about like all day. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dave, have you ever been pranked on an April Fools? I'm trying to remember if I have. I don't
0: think so. I do remember one time (laughs) that I walked through the house and there was this disgusting black banana peel (laughs) on the floor. I'm like, how did one of our animals find this in the garbage oh my and like bring it out on the floor? And so I like picked it up and threw it out. And one of my children was like, That was my April Fool's joke. I <laughs> wanted you to slip on the banana peel. I'm like, oh, all right, boy. first of all, that doesn't happen usually in real life. And second of all, i I actually slipped on this banana peel, you might be taking me to the ER. So <laughs> and let's third, let's to rethink what your room? the uh, yeah, too many cartoons <laughs> of the banana peel. <laughs>
2: Well, banana peel on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. But I
0: I will say our good friend Matt Salmon, I'd forgotten he did this. He put this on social media today. This was hilarious. (laughs) He did it. And it looked like a real press release. It did. Where (laughs) Art Williams was getting a statue that was going to be placed in the plaza next to Phil's statue. And Phil, when he read that. the press release at Phil's spot in the radio booth on April 1st, and Phil saw it and blew a gasket.
1: Because he's he's not the biggest Art Williams fan. Well, and the way it was worded. It was the way it was, and being next to Phil Esposito is such a great, I mean, it's just hilarious the way it was worded, and that was a good one. I do remember that. That was a (laughs) few years back, and you have to have some fun on April Fool's, but it is, it is, I I digress a bit. Kaylee, great to be with you again, and it's good to have you back, as we said before, but you were you were pretty busy the last week or so. Give our audience an idea of uh, what was going on because you were covering another league.
2: Yeah, that was the first time in a year, maybe over a year that I've been inside an arena and seen live hockey. So that was super exciting. I went to Boston and covered the NWHL Isabel Cup championship. So it's I think Isabel, Lady Isabel is the daughter of Lord Stanley, who the Stanley Cup is named after. And she was thought to be, I think, the first woman to play hockey. So that's basically the Professional Women's Hockey League's um, Stanley Cup championship. They tried to replicate what the NHL did in the bubble in January in Lake Placid. And unfortunately, several teams um, had COVID outbreaks and they had to cancel before the semifinals and finals. So, it was amazing to be able to see all these players have to wait all this time to finally finish what they started. And for me, at least it was amazing you know, being able to work with A.J. Molesco and Kate Scott, who typically does play-by-play for the Warriors games on radio. And A.J. obviously does a lot of NBC and MSG work covering the Islanders and national games um, around the league. But it was a lot of fun, and it was probably the most rewarding part was just seeing how much the women respected the tournament and the games and the Boston pride who wanted in Boston, how much they appreciated winning the championship, because it was kind of weird when they went in there. It was like they hadn't played games in months. The excitement, you didn't know if that was going to be there like it normally is building up to a playoffs, and yet they all came in, even though they all have two three jobs, some of them kids, and they treated it really seriously, respected the tournament, and put on a great show, I thought, in the final game.
0: So the teams actually were not practicing as teams during these last couple of months. The players just kind of arrived from their different locations and
2: some joined them, their
0: team and, yeah, and went exactly. out and played, right?
2: Yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. Some of them had been practicing like the last three weeks altogether leading up to it. And it was more regular practices with, you know, safety protocols and procedure. But for the most part, like all November, I know the Minnesota Whitecaps team that played had not played with each other once. So to be able to show up and try to find chemistry, there were really only, you know, a couple teams there that had that um, from the start. And they had a lot of talented players on the team. But... Otherwise, yeah, it was, it was teams who hadn't been playing together for a long period of time. A lot of it was just kind of virtual, and, you know, it's hard to build chemistry when you're not only not practicing, but you're now not allowed to be hanging out with each other um, outside the arena. So it ended up being great, but um, I know for sure down the road it, it'll be even more fun when they can play a full season and have that same experience together.
1: Kaylee Chelio was joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You know, it's interesting, Kaylee, I think we've all had to adjust with coronavirus and doing Zoom calls and things like that. And you are somebody that likes to talk to coaches and players. You're in the locker room and, you know, getting the latest stories. And you've had to do a lot of that via Zoom, obviously, the last year. How big of a change has that been for you? And, and how much do you miss just, you know, being around the rink and, you know, talking to, to different people?
2: A lot. I think the most fun part of the job, which you know, obviously I miss being in Chicago, is just being in and around the arena, in and out of the locker rooms. I know it's different with COVID, too, because even for all of you guys, we're not able to be in the locker room and having conversations with players and coaches like we normally would. But it's a lot easier to have a pulse on the team when you're talking with you guys and Brian Ingblom and you know everybody on a daily basis at the rink, and especially watching practices. Um, And players that you haven't seen play too much in person, like Ross Colton um, or Borgman, it's a lot easier to kind of get a read on them and their, their style of play and everything when you get to watch them in a practice setting. So I definitely miss that. I miss the energy of being at the rink and games and just kind of the emotions of it. But... It's different being on my couch, watching it on TV, and asking everyone around me to leave the room so that I can pay attention. Um, I give it Kaylee daughter. needs her quiet time. <laughs> yeah, I have me time, which is game time. So I do look forward to it. I get to make a snack and enjoy the game You know, pretty much with this schedule every other day, it feels like, by myself. And there's definitely parts I'm grateful for, including being able to continue to still watch games and be a part of the broadcast team. Uh, But I definitely miss being around the rink and being able to be around the players and you guys every day, just kind of following the storylines and and getting a better feel for what's going on. If I miss a game or a practice like I did in in Boston when the team played Carolina, I felt like I had no idea what was going on the next day.
0: (laughs) What did you make of Coop's comment, I think it was following practice yesterday, in which he said, the value of of getting your pace up in practice is something that that he was really glad to to implement in the practice yesterday that i was actually surprised to hear him say that because you know we know their practices are fast paced but he actually tied having a fast paced practice to actually helping you play at a fast pace in a game
2: yeah i think that's interesting especially with their schedule right because they haven't been able to to have practices and for coaches, I mean, that's the majority of where you're gonna be working on your game and being able to watch the film before and after and implement that in as close to a game-like setting as possible. I think for some players, especially the forward group, um, it's hard, usually you think when you play games every other day, you're kind of getting into a rhythm, but I think with how difficult the schedule was, 15 games and 23 nights, we started to see this fatigue factor and the mental fatigue set in on the lightning at some point. So I think for Coop, I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about you know, the importance of the speed and practice and having their top players play with pace and make plays with pace. Um, and be able to practice that is important, and they don't have enough of it in this schedule, and it's unpredictable. So I think being able to see that translate into the game tonight is going to be interesting because it was something that was still lacking for them in the previous game. As you said this morning, they left a lot of plays out there, and offensively they really didn't do enough to get inside. So I think for forwards like Braden Point in the top line, being able to make plays with pace is something they excel at and what separates them as elite players. And so in the practice setting, you know, being able to play at top speed and and the drills and everything that they need to do to get better it's a rarity and for them I think they're excited to finally have that opportunity yesterday
1: what's impressed you so far Kaylee through 30 some games with this lightning team I mean playing without Nikita Kucherov and you know for the most part still being able to generate some offense has been I think fun to watch but I think also too that fourth line continuing to emerge and Ross Colton right now seems to be the guy that's helping in in that becoming very dangerous. But what what has surprised you so far? What has stood out for you so far uh, for the Lightning this year?
2: I think just the overall resiliency. I mean, to start the season, I thought for sure if any team was going to be able to have an excuse to have a hangover from the Stanley Cup, it would be the Lightning. And it's impressed me the level that they've been able to compete at each and every game and to sustain that level of compete after all of the hockey they played. Um, you know, going back to training camp through the bubble, 65 days and winning a championship. I know coaches and players have talked about in some ways it was an advantage to be able to start training camp this season. And, you know, having just played for 65 days in the bubble, it was kind of like picking up where they left off. But I would have thought, you know, in a condensed schedule like this, we would see it's a lot more ups and downs, and I think for the Lightning, they've been so good at being consistent, and, you know, this three-game skid is a rarity, and the first time it's happened all season, so for me, the resiliency of this group, and I think they just have such a great winning culture on the team. I mean, you look at the players like Ross Colton, Alex barre Boulet and, and the prospects that have stepped in, even Jamel Smith, too, a veteran forward, come in and have an impact right away. I mean, I don't think it's every team where they're their taxi squad players come in and produce and have the type of impact they are. So, I think just the winning culture from winning a championship together and the resiliency they've had to be able to sustain this kind of compete level and remain at the top of the Central Division has been a bit of a surprise through halfway through the se- over halfway through the season.
0: Well, you are based in Chicago. I don't know how much you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with the local team there, but how do you see this race for fourth place playing out down the stretch here?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I've been trying to watch more and more games when I can, especially Chicago, Columbus. Dallas, I know, has a few games in hand. But I think it's going to be interesting. I would have predicted in the beginning of the season that Dallas and Columbus would have been two teams up in the top three. And I would not have expected the Florida Panthers, um, to be honest, to be where they are and, and be able to play the way they are. So. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, coming down the stretch more than any other season, maybe it's going to be even more competitive, obviously, with the way every game is a divisional matchup. And I really like the Chicago Blackhawks. I think, you know, their, their goaltending, Lankinen seems to have really found a rhythm here. And he seems to be the, their starting goaltender, which was one of their biggest question marks. I don't know how deep they are if they don't have Patrick Kane or Dubrunkit leading the charge offensively. Um, and Nashville, I think, has been able to turn things around. Obviously, they're playing some really good hockey as of late, but I don't know that they have the offensive ability um, to remain, you know, in that fourth spot that they're in right now in the Central. So I'm not sure. I think it's going to be a, a battle to the end. But I am surprised to see Dallas at the very bottom with Detroit, and you know, Columbus is. We haven't seen them since January. And then they just played them a couple nights ago. But you know, they're a team, too, that I, I wonder, once it gets down to crunch time, they seem to always find a way to to get into a rhythm of winning games. So it'll be a battle for sure. I think Chicago will be the team that maybe emerges in that fourth spot. But it also comes down to teams that can tighten up defensively. And I don't know that Chicago is able to do that as well as Columbus and Nashville can.
1: Last question on my end, Kaylee. What do you uh, get the sense? Do you feel like Julian Breezewell may try and, and add a piece on the back end if he can? Or do you feel like with what they have right now, what you're seeing on the back end and just the team in general, maybe no move is necessary?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, Greg. I'd be more interested to hear what you guys have to say about that because I feel like I always guess wrong with adding and subtracting. We're, all, the we're all guessing and
1: making it up at this point, Kaylee.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. It's necessary. I mean, maybe if there's a – we don't really know the extent of the injuries, I guess, dealing with Jan Ruda, Ryan McDonough, and Eric Chernak. But fortunately, it sounds like Chernak and McDonough um, are not long-term injuries. I don't know, you know, the extent of them, like I said. But I I feel like they feel really good about their blue line. I mean, they have Victor Hedman. They have Andre Vasilevsky. And I think, you know, Sergachev, Chernak – they have Luke Shen. You know, they have the veteran experience, the the younger players who carry a lot of minutes. I mean, I think they feel pretty confident in their blue line, and they have all season. So if their currently injured players can get healthy quickly, I don't know how necessary it'll be to add a right shot defenseman or just add another defenseman to the to the mix, depending on their cap crunch. Because obviously, like you said, they have zero dollars, so it would have to be, um, you know, a pretty specific trade.
1: Specific trade, the other team may have to take up, pick up some salary. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces to that, and you know who knows. But it's fun to speculate, yeah, and it's always fun. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? But uh, look, Kaylee, this was fun, and we're going to do it again soon. You'll be on the airwaves tonight, right, with Brian Burns, and that'll be at six o'clock. And then you'll join me for the pregame at times and throughout the game.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a fun one, and yeah. I'm kind of excited to see how this game starts between these two teams and the goaltending.
1: Yeah, or two, and maybe gets a little chippy as well between these two hey. teams. We'll see how it plays out. Kaylee, great job as always. We'll talk to you tonight. Thanks, Kaylee.
2: All right. Thanks, guys.
1: All right. That is Kaylee Chelios, our lightning reporter and broadcaster. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap this show up at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Back after this on Lightning Power Play.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio
1: app. It's fun watching other writers discuss who the best team is in the league. And NHL.com, they do their you know weekly power rankings, and they also talk about who's the the best team right now in the league. I would say this: most have Dave the Lightning one or two. I was interested to see uh, Sean Roark, by the way, who we're going to have on tomorrow, has Colorado as the best team, with Tampa Bay number two. Vegas I scored getting... nine last night. Yeah, McKinnon got fined, huh? Five thousand.
0: Threw his helmet. Yeah. Oh, he actually didn't throw his helmet. He threw the opponent's helmet. Yeah, what are you doing? That he was being nice, you know. He just I said, that's... "I don't want you to have to go right back to the bench." <laughs> so <laughs> so here you Here's your helmet. I'm going to throw you can it. Put it back you. on. That is a dumb rule,
1: by the way. Right? You lose your helmet, you got to immediately go to the the bench Phil hates that role. he chuckles that makes depending me on
0: what kind of mood it, he is in he either That's chuckles right. or makes another noise
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is true but right now you know a lot of a lot of people Dave have in some order Tampa Bay Vegas and Colorado as the three best teams in the league Brian Compton had Washington and then Carolina as the top two teams which I thought was pretty interesting Lightning were three, yeah. Notably missing or any of the North Division.
2: Teams
1: yeah, and I, I, I wonder if that's you know we talk about narratives. Sometimes they're BS. Sometimes they're true. If people just aren't willing to give that division the benefit of the doubt in terms of how strong it is.
0: Well, it's been how many years since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup, which should have no bearing on no. whether you think the Maple Leafs or the Oilers or the Jets or any of those teams might be in position to contend this year but i think there is we've been using this term a lot bias i think there is a bias there where people are are basing it off i think a little bit of past performance because we've talked to so many people this year greg who've all said the same thing it's hard to to compare teams yeah. across divisions
1: mm-hmm. it is so we it don't is.
0: know how toronto Just stacks not up watching all Vegas. these games yeah, Maybe Toronto stacks up really well with Vegas. But we don't have any information to go on
1: this. year. Who's their backup goaltender Campbell? He's 7 and 0. Yeah. I mean that's that's an interesting dynamic playing out there with Anderson too in that uh the Preds, Dave, they uh they did their power rankings. They um they came in at number 16, but I mean I think Last week, they weren't even ranked, and they have them saying, look, they've won six in a row, eight of nine to climb into fourth place. But as you said off the air as we were talking about this, injuries are starting to pile up. Forsberg – They've had injuries. Yeah. No, I mean, they're just not getting any relief. Ellis and Duchesne, sideline. They are getting good goaltending, and that has yeah. been the saving well, grace. Well, and we-
0: Forsberg is week-to-week for them too.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny is earlier in the year, there had been a lot of talk that – this was going to be a team that might be sellers at the trade deadline, and Forsberg's name had been been popping up. Eckholm has been, I think, there really since the start of the season because of his his contract. But it is interesting once your team starts to play well, that narrative starts to shift a bit. And yeah, it's funny we talk about the division the Tampa Bay is in, and is it as simple as whoever gets the best goaltending is going to find themselves in that fourth spot because? Nashville's getting it, and you know, Kaylee was talking about Lankinen in Chicago, who's maybe settled in as the guy. Lekins we've we've seen him. He certainly impressive. And is it a matter of which goaltending tandem can give you the most consistent starts from here on out? Maybe that's who sneaks into that fourth spot of the uh, central division. I find that to be a, a pretty interesting scenario developing
0: yeah I can't I can't get on board with saying that's the only part of it because there is more to it than that will Patrick Kane put Chicago on his back with the brinket yeah I mean that could be a narrative as well will Columbus settle in to this new kiss keep it simple stupid philosophy and will they bat hatches and win a bunch of games two to one Maybe they will, which will, will Dallas... partially goaltending, but also the team's structure in front of the goaltender.
1: Will Dallas win a game in regulation? <laughs> yeah.
0: So I guess the good <laughs> news, they've gotten a lot of overtime points. Right. The bad news is they've only gotten one point in a lot of those games.
1: Yep. And it's interesting because you take a look at the division and the standings right now. So Nashville's in fourth. They've got 39 points through 37. Right behind them, Chicago, same amount of points. And then you've got Columbus, Dave, 36 through 37. So, I mean, it, yeah. you can see how big these games are. I mean, even oh, Dallas. Oh, so
0: big. So Dallas, big.
1: yeah, seven points out of that last spot.
0: They need to and beat Nashville tonight. And, they and have to. And preferably do it in regulation.
1: You wonder when when you start talking about that, that loss right there is the death blow. Because we keep – I feel like we've been saying this for the last week, some of these teams that are competing for that fourth spot you know, we'll say, well, this streak coming up for them is, is going to be pretty telling. But you wonder when that cutoff is going to actually happen. You know, is it is it 15 games remaining? Is it going to be 10? And the team's just like, look, you you lost this four-point swing or maybe you're playing a team three consecutive nights in a row and you come away with two points that that's it. That's it. And I, I guess mathematically, Dave, if you're alive, you're alive. Right. But the, the math part of it will definitely
0: factor in, no pun yeah. intended. But Dallas still has those games in hand. So I think you're going to have to look at it more in terms of how hard are they competing. Right. Have, have the players suffered an emotional blow where their belief has taken a hit that they can actually do it. And maybe that's, that's where you see it. But, you know, we were talking about them last week because the Lightning were playing Dallas the two games in Dallas and, and in between the two games where Dallas still had one game against the lighting and two against the Panthers. And, and I think you made the point, Greg, that, you know, they need to get going here in these next three, four five games, or, you know, maybe see you later. And I said, well, you know, they do have the games in hand and then they beat the lighting on Thursday. But since then they've lost back to back to the Panthers. Yep. And to Nashville, and two of those games were in overtime. And okay, so 0-1 and 2, they got two points, but they need to start. They need to start making up ground, not just kind of treading water here, and you know maybe dropping a point here or there. And I do think that that has to happen pretty soon. Relatively soon, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's as we've talked about. It's April 1st. We're down to the last yeah. what five weeks.
1: Or so, five and a half weeks of the regular season. Last month of uh, regular season play, basically. So let's let's get it going. We'll be there tonight, starting at six. Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios. I'll have the pregame at six thirty. Dave and Phil, they've got the game call, and then Brian Engblom and I will have the last call, presented by Jack Daniels. So we've got it all for you on these airwaves. Dave, tomorrow we'll talk to Sean Work and we'll yeah, recap the game. To That'll be fun, and uh, I'll catch you at the rink uh, in a little bit.
0: Yep. See you there.
1: Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to Kaylee Chelios as well. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. I am Greg Linnelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow noon at 1 for Power Lunch. But keep it tuned here, 6 o'clock. Kaylee Chelios and Brian Burns, will get you set for the game as well. Right here on Lightning Power Play.